If you're a physician who wants more autonomy in how you practice or fulfillment in your life, you're in the right place. This is the Change Physician Podcast, where our guests reveal how you can learn the mindsets, skills, and strategies to create the life you want without selling out your morals or values. But before we begin, I want to remind you of the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you at thechangephysician.com. Welcome to the Change Physician Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Melissa Cady, joined by my co-host, Dr. Kevin Kakaro. And we have our lovely guest here, Dr. Stephanie Pearson, joining us from the East Coast with a very intriguing story that we would love to hear all about. And so thank you, Stephanie, for joining us today. It is my absolute pleasure. Wonderful. Well, we always start from the beginning. And why did you even consider going in the direction of medicine? So I had some GI issues as a kid and loved my pediatrician. Uh, Dr. Barraway was the coolest guy ever. And he let me uh, play with all the instruments and use a stethoscope and spoke to me like I wasn't an eight-year-old. And so I really wanted to be him, to be quite honest. Uh, and so really from a very early age, everything that I did was to get to medical school. Awesome. And so because you had that interest, uh, as far as choosing medical school, was it just a very traditional laid out path initially? And as far as specialty, can you kind of lead us in that path on what you decided on? Oh, so circuitous. So <laughs> I planned to be a pediatrician. That was all I knew. That was all I thought I was going to be the next Dr. Barraway. Uh, and then my first year as a med student, uh, I did a non-traditional uh, problem-based program, which I know a lot of schools do now, but back in 97, it was not super popular. And one of the things that we had was a 12-week block where we got to shadow a primary care physician. And after a week of being with a pediatrician, I wanted to poke my eyeballs out <laughs> and started to panic. Uh, I was like, oh my God, this was my whole life. This is what I thought I wanted. And I'm here and I'm in debt. And what am I going to do? and really tried to keep an open mind during second year and, and going into rotations. Interestingly, I did my general surgery rotation first because I thought I didn't want to do it and loved using my hands. Uh, to be quite honest, I didn't have a ton of female role models. And so again, going back into the late 90s, things were a little bit different and the men that I looked up to did not quite have the track history that I was looking for. One was on his third wife, one was having an affair with a fellow, and I was like, mm, maybe this isn't for me. And then spent some time doing pediatric orthopedics, which I realized is very niched. I loved it. I was like, I get to be with kids, I get to do surgery, Wow, this is the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, and kind of started down that path. Um, I had met a couple of women who were kind of breaking the glass ceiling and started doing 
ortho research and trying to make the right connections and doing all the things you're supposed to do. Had my fourth year sub I all set up. And my last rotation as a third year was an OBGYN. I did it at a hospital by a beach because my plan was I never wanted to do gynecology and I would get to be at the beach every day. I would do what I had to do to get by. And I think like a lot of us, I was pretty ignorant as to how much surgical stuff OBGYNs actually did and really, really enjoyed it and preferred kind of the relationships that I was building with women as opposed to the kids and literally walked into a professor's office in tears and said, I've done this all wrong. I'm all set up to go ortho. It's the end of the year. I don't have a sub I set up. I don't know anybody. I haven't done any research. And uh, he helped me um, set up my sub I for my fourth year. And he actually ended up being the attending that brought me into his practice uh, when I finished residency. So um, I had quite the route to get where I ended up in, in OBGYN. Technical difficulties, but what I was going to say is, this has kind of come up again and again, is, is how we all assume what we're getting into with medicine. You know, there's, there's people who kind of stumbled in it, and there's the people who, who've sort of known from eight years old what they were going to do. And it's, it's so interesting, though, is then once you even get into medical school, we still have no idea what we're doing, and we still have no idea where we're going, going and, we're, and there's so many things that we're not even exposed to, and we're, yet we're supposed to make these decisions. Like, you know, in the middle of your third year, you're supposed to choose what you want to do for the rest of your life when you haven't even seen these specialties. Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's fascinating then to, to hear how you had to switch in the middle of it. And overall, it seems like that went fairly smoothly for you. Were you did you find that your school or your mentors at the time kind of facilitated that change? Or did you find any struggles with that sudden switch other than, you know, the stress involved? I have to say that the, my one mentor, uh, Dr. Grover, really made everything happen for me. If I didn't have him as my support, I don't know how it would have happened. Um, but he really was kind of key in helping me set up my fourth year sub-I. He was pivotal in helping me match for residency. And as I said, he ended up taking me under his wing. I mean, my, my children call him pop. Hmm. So he delivered both of them. Uh, and so it, it, he single-handedly kind of helped create my, my career path. Wow. So taking it from there and going down that path that you'd chosen, uh, which was helped by an amazing mentor, can you kind of give us a picture of how that looked? So I went to school in Philadelphia, what's now Drexel. My diploma still says MCP Hahnemann. Um, local yokels know what MCP Hahnemann is. The rest of the country, uh, not, maybe not so much. Uh, and then I trained at Pennsylvania Hospital uh, in Philadelphia. And residency, I was in that split class. So when I started, there were no residency hour rules, but by the time I was a chief and graduated, it had switched 
to that 80 hour work week. And to be quite honest, going to 80 hours a week, I felt like I got my life back. Uh, I was able to, to start doing hobbies again and, and realize that there was actually life outside of medicine. And, uh, excuse me, <coughs> and actually met my now husband uh, while I was a resident. He at the time was a ICU nurse, ER nurse. And uh, we met over a patient of mine who was trying to exit uh, and he helped keep me her helped keep helped me keep her alive. Uh, you know, it's a very romantic uh, love story, I know. <laughs> and when I, I think when I was a second year, Dr. Grover left Pennsylvania Hospital and went to a community hospital to join uh, like his best friend from med school uh, in private practice. And when I was a chief and interviewing, he called me and said, hey, what are you thinking about doing? We're looking for someone. And I was like on cloud nine. I knew I was gonna go work with him, but felt like I owed it to myself to prove that I could get a job somewhere. And so went on a couple of interviews, met Dr. Grover and his partner and ended up there. And I was there the rest of my clinical career and was working my tail off because there were no rules for attending hours like there were for resident hours. So talk about you know not knowing what you're getting yourself into, uh, getting thrown into the deep end because there was a uh, employee uh, associate who gave notice two weeks before I started. And so I really walked in as a brand new attending to a full schedule because they literally just took her schedule and gave it to me. And honestly, I went home in tears every night for the first like couple of weeks that I was in practice and was like, what am I doing? Like mm. how, what, it was like getting punched in the face. Uh, eventually, I think like most of us, you get into a rhythm, you figure out what works, what doesn't work, how to be time efficient. Um, we were also transitioning from paper to EMR mm. and I am going to date myself. I love paper. I love <laughs> writing in notebooks. I love having highlighters and different colored pens. I mean, you see my different colored post-it notes, right? <laughs> um, and so switching from paper to EMR was not easy for me. Uh, and so it was interesting and then deciding, you know, you're never going to have a good time to have babies. Uh, so got married, had two kids in two years um, and just kept trudging along. And honestly, at one point, my husband was not happy uh, with the hours that I was maintaining and the call schedule was brutal. Uh, we started to think about, you know, what was our next plan? Uh, I actually had interviewed uh, with an intent to leave and go practice at one of the Delaware beaches and try to have a better work-life balance and walked in to my senior partners and they literally said, what do we have to do to keep you? And I told them five things. I thought they were going to tell me not to let the door hit me in the way, you know, on the way out. 
And instead they said, fine. And then we were like, "Uh oh, now what? So I felt like they gave me what I said, so I have to stay. So we moved. Uh, we, I guess, taking a giant step back, my husband had a house in Wilmington, Delaware before he had me. Uh, I was renting an apartment in Philadelphia. And so when we first got married, we lived in Wilmington, Delaware, and I was driving to a, a town right outside of Philadelphia. And we decided at that point, if we weren't gonna move to the beach, that we would move closer to the hospital because my husband was great and used to bring my kids to eat when I was on call. And it wasn't so hard when we only had one. It got really hard when we had two. Uh, and then, you know, it always happened he would pull up and somebody would decide to have a baby or somebody would decide to crump and I'd have a stat section. And then he was with two little boys trying to keep them um, entertained. And so we realized that moving closer might be a better idea and I could maybe get home while I was on call. Uh, and so we made the move up here um, and really thought that that was gonna be it and I was gonna be there forever. And then December 20th, 2012 happened. Um, and I got called down to do a precipitous delivery. I walked in, it was actually somebody I knew. I delivered uh, several of her other children, which in OB world, early 2000, well, I guess 2012, not early 2000s, but in the, um, it was not super common for OBs to get to deliver multiple kids in the same family because of the way call schedule worked. So I was actually excited. I was like, oh, this is great. Baby number four, it's going to fall out. That's what happens. I just need to catch it. And not so much. Uh, I looked down and the baby's heart rate was very low. And my patient was kind of climbing up the bed. But the head was right there. And so I had multiple nurses in the room to help me. I put a vacuum on and as I was guiding the baby out, mom kicked me in the shoulder and she was much bigger than me. Uh, and actually two of my nurses got hurt um, at the same time. And I knew something was wrong. I mean, my arm went numb. She got me right in the brachial plexus and I didn't have the baby all the way out, so I shifted my body to try to protect myself. Who knew I was going to make it worse? Um, and as I was finishing the delivery, she kind of got me a second time, but came across, and uh, I just started crying. And so I finished the delivery. The baby was fine. I called one of my uh, partners to come down and finish with the placenta and, and everything else. And I went down to the ER and was basically told, well, we don't see anything obvious, take it easy, fine. So fast forward, uh, like all good physicians, I sucked it up and continued to do my job and figure out how to compensate. I knew something was wrong. Um, I went and saw an orthopedist ended up getting diagnosed with a uh, torn labrum, but was told, and I quote, professional baseball pitchers pitch with torn labrums. You should be able to do your job. So I did. 
Um, and I compensated until I couldn't compensate anymore. And I had gotten several injections, but kept saying that I was losing mobility and was having serious pain issues. And finally, on August 3rd of 2013, uh, I was doing a C-section on somebody who had been pushing for a really long time. Uh, and my first assist had never done a C-section before. And I actually started crying at the table because I could not get my left arm to do what I needed it to do to get this kid out. And thankfully it was during the day and I could call down one of my partners. It wasn't an emergency, the baby was fine. Um, but I left the room and was like, this is not ethical. I'm gonna hurt somebody. And unfortunately, you know, the professional baseball player, if he loses a game, he may lose his contract. I screw up, somebody gets really hurt, I end up in a courtroom and not being able to live with myself. I mean, I, I don't want to be the reason that a baby or a woman is harmed knowing that I can't do what I need to do with my arm. Uh, and so I ended up going to another orthopedist who was like, oh yeah, you have a textbook frozen shoulder. Can I call all of my students in and all of my residents and fellows? And you guys all know that moment, right? You're like, this is really cool for the students and the residents and really not cool for the person who it's happening to. Uh, I had surgery, went to sleep getting told I'd be back to work in 12 weeks. And I woke up getting told that it looked like a bomb went off in my shoulder. And that was seven years, uh, two months and six days ago. Not that I'm counting or anything. Um, I have considerable range of motion deficits and nerve damage in my left arm. And I have never been cleared to do OB or operate. And my orthopedist took it a step further and put in black and white that I am a liability. And so I am not insurable for malpractice insurance. So that's the story. <laughs> it, well, and then, so, and then what happened next though? Because anybody who you've, you've invested you got the, the personal investment, then you have the financial investment. And most people come out of uh, medical education in significant debt, um, hundreds of thousands of dollars in some certainty with the, with the idea that you're gonna be practicing for 20 to 30 years and being able to pay this off. Uh, and so now you're in the scenario where you're not practicing anymore, so what happened? Like what, what, what went through your mind at that moment in time? So what went through my mind was I'd be better off to my family dead. Um, I don't say that lightly. I, I had a plan. I wrote letters. Uh, I learned a lot the hard way. Uh, I was one of those people in six digit debt. Uh, I thought that we had planned appropriately and found out really through sheer ignorance that that wasn't the case. Um, I guess first I should mentioned that I got terminated because my contract said that I had to be able to do 100% of my job. And without doing the OB and the OR piece, they didn't want me. And I'd actually been asked to be the chairperson prior to leaving for my surgery. So I went from being held to a certain esteem that I thought and literally just kicked to the curb um, and kind of drove home how physicians are not treated well in for-profit uh, hospital systems. 
And I would probably still be there seeing office GYNs as tolerated if I hadn't been terminated. But once I got terminated and knew that I was not insurable for malpractice, I was really lost. I mean, I had just turned 40. Everything, every fiber of my being was about being Dr. Pearson. And I didn't realize how much that was. Um, being Ryan's wife, being the boy's mom, wasn't cutting it. You know, I really was like, holy cow, what am I going to do? How are we going to pay this stuff off? Um, my group disability benefit through my hospital that I thought I had for a decade um, didn't cover work-related injuries. Mm. Didn't know. Uh, mm. It's the exception to the rule, but it's not uncommon. Wow. And so I was flatly denied and told I would have been better off had I fallen off my bike. Uh, workman's comp, I was initially declined because they said while an injury occurred, my frozen shoulder was idiopathic or better my fault because I continued to work while I was injured. But that's what I was told to do. So one of the pots of money was saying, we're not paying you because it's work-related. The other pot was saying, it's not work-related. But because they're ruled by different entities, they can do that. And so we ended up having to sue for the workman's comp piece. And that took about 14 months, three court appearances, one where they had the nerve to tell me that I could be a billing secretary making $15 an hour because I had the aptitude to learn codes. Um, I ended up settling because honestly, I was just done. Uh, and I probably shouldn't have, but I did. Um, I did have a private policy that my senior partner made me get my first year as an attending but I wasn't properly educated and hadn't kept pace with my income, partly because I thought I had a group employer benefit, partly because there wasn't great follow-up. Um, very lucky. We had enough that we didn't have to sell our house. We didn't have to pull our kids out of school, but not nearly what I was making or projected to make, right? Um, and so there was a lot of woe is me. Uh, to be quite honest, there wasn't a huge support network. Doctors don't really like to hear other doctors complain. Um, I got a, some of my biggest naysayers were physicians. I would get, but you look fine. What do you mean you really can't do your job? I mean, how much do you really need your shoulder for delivering babies? And you know, outside of the, the OB world, people just didn't get it. Uh, and so um, I was fortunate enough that I had another colleague who was out on disability for a different reason. And so we could kind of commiserate and lean on each other a little bit. Uh, I actually created a secret Facebook group called Physicians for Physicians, which is for physicians who because of injury or illness have had to change their scope of practice or leave medicine. Um, and it was a very slow growing word of mouth community. Uh, we have hundreds of, of people now. Um, but I was in a pretty dark place. And my husband ended up coming home with a puppy. Uh, I was ready to kill him. But he actually said, 
I realize that the boys and, and I are not enough and you have a choice. You can be surrounded by dog filth or you can get out of bed and take care of something like you're good at. And I actually credit him and that dog for saving my life. I mean, I was in therapy every day, um, both mental and physical. Uh, and I would take our dog on these really long walks and just try to figure out what I was going to do and, and what kind of the next step looked like. I was fortunate enough that I was 40, right? I, I was like, okay, my brain still works, but what the hell am I going to do, right? Like I, re I truly felt like if I wasn't a physician, I didn't know what else I would be. Um, and it took some time to kind of crawl out of, of that hole and realize, okay, I do have two little boys who I chose to have, and this is not what I want them to see. Uh, and a little bit of time went by. My husband was working his tail off. He was pulling like seven, eight, nine shifts a week. At that point, he was a flight nurse um, on a helicopter and they also don't have rules. And so he was working a ton and it was not easy. Um, I would say the, the first three years are kind of a blur. Uh, I was really trying to figure out what is there that I could use using the knowledge that I had. Was I gonna embrace being a stay-at-home mom? I mean, I used to say I'd give my left arm to be home with my boys more. Turns out I gave my left arm to be home with my boys more. Uh, and it was not for me. I, I am not, I have the utmost respect for stay-at-home parents. I am not one of them. Uh, and after about six weeks, I had really had enough. And so one of the things I will say that helped me, uh, there is a meeting once a year um, put on by SEEK. And right now I can't think of what it stands for, but it's S-E-A-K. Um, and it, it is geared for physicians who are trying to get out of clinical space. And I went as an attendee really just to see what was out there. And there are so many things that we can do outside of medicine, utilizing our skill set, utilizing our knowledge base. Nothing spoke to me there, but it was at least enlightening to see like, oh my God, they, there's a room full of hundreds of, of docs. And again, I was still a little bit bitter um, to be quite honest, I was really bitter about hearing people that were burnt out because I just wanted to like punch them in the face and be like, oh my God, like I would kill a puppy to be back in the operating room. And here you are saying that you're burnt out. So I had to work through that piece too and realize that everybody has their own journey and their own reason for wanting to do something. Uh, and then once I got past that, Piece and realized that, you know, here I am trying to get some empathy and grace and I wasn't giving it back. Uh, and so that was kind of a, a big eye opener for me. And honestly, I tried my hand at a few things. I did some medical editing. I did some biotech consulting. Um, 
I did some med mal defense work, but nothing felt right. Uh, and one thing that somebody had said during one of the lectures at that SEEK conference was, everybody has something that they're passionate about and you have to figure out what you're passionate about and then figure out within that passion, do you have knowledge that other people don't have that you can help them with? And I really spent a lot of time playing that one thing over and over and over again. And I realized that here I was looking at all of my friends' disability policies because everyone who knew me was like, oh my God, I thought you did everything right. And do I have what I need? And I was doing it because I had this fund of knowledge now, having been through what I've been through. And so it kind of a light bulb went off at, at one point. And it wasn't the brightest light bulb. It, my husband and my now business partner kind of had to jiggle it a little bit. But I had been giving lectures to area residents more out of catharsis and just feeling like you guys need to know this stuff. And at one point, my husband and my now partner um, sat me down and they were both like, hey, um, you know more than most people do about this and maybe you should think about doing it. And so that's how this happened. Yeah. I'm kind of laughing at that because um, I was talking to somebody else the other day and, and you said the light bulb wasn't so bright. Did you, did you have, you're, so you're doing this, you're like going through other people's policies on your own time, you're lecturing and, and because you had all this wealth of knowledge, but when they, when your husband and, and your now partner, your business partner were saying, Hey, you should do this as a career. I, I, what were the thoughts going through your head? Like what, what were you saying to yourself? Was saying, well, why, you know, why would they say this? Or I'm not, you know, I, I'm not, I can't do that. Or I'm just kind of curious what the thoughts were going through your head. So my initial thought was you guys are nuts. <laughs> um, I was like, I'm not a salesperson. And I, you know, I had this negative idea in my head of what an insurance salesperson was because of my experiences. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, no, no. And they were both like, yes, yes. And I was like, but I have to get licensed and I don't know anything about other insurances. And my husband's like, uh, sweetheart, you made it through med school and residency. Uh, I think you can handle this. And I started to kind of realize, well, I, I'm not coming at it as a salesperson. I really am coming at it as an educator. And I was like, but is that going to resonate? Is, am I, what am I getting myself into? Like I got myself into this, now I'm going to do that. But I, I didn't have a better plan. So uh, I got the textbooks. I locked myself in my room for about six weeks with my highlighters and my colored markers and made note cards and had my kids help test me and uh, went and took the test and passed. Um, and really started doing insurance at my kitchen table. I mean, we, we joke around that, that it really started at, at my house. It, it's true. Um, my business partner was working for a big insurance house, uh, which predominantly did life insurance. And so I was really doing disability insurance 
and he was kind of helping and, and making connections and and um, I started just reaching out to my friends and you know uh, where I trained and then friends who have moved on and, and started doing more and more resident lectures and everything happened so fast. Um, I mean, in, God, in three years, we went from my kitchen table with Ryan, my husband, helping me on the back end. We eventually hired two people who worked out of my house with me. Uh, and now we just hired our 25th full-time employee. Uh, we have clients in all 50 states and we're doing something right. And I, I think, I honestly think that it's because we come at it from an educational component and not a sales pitch. You know, my goal truly is to educate and empower people to make educated decisions. And so, you know, I joke that I'm like Switzerland. I'm a true broker. I'm not in bed with any particular carrier. It's not a one size fits all endeavor. And so we really have built kind of a machine around making sure that we're spending time going over definitions, comparing apples to apples, apples to oranges. And it's more of a, uh, I don't want to say a didactic, but it, it's more like a didactic of here are your options, what's important to you. And different companies cater to different people. They cater to different types of physicians. There are state differences. There are so many nuances. And we really spend a lot of time going over that stuff. We don't cold call anybody. We don't just send out, you know, illustrations or PDFs without any explanation. And I, I, I like to think that that's why it's working. Yeah. It sounds like you give a tremendous value for a need that's not really well understood by maybe a lot of, especially physicians that maybe don't have the bandwidth um, because they get too busy um, in those jobs. But I guess my question to you um, Obviously, I would love to do an episode with you regarding just understanding some disability insurance. <laughs> I'm, but I'm happy to for, do it. Yeah. For now, though, I'm curious. You said back when you were discussing your identity with yourself and how it was really hard to not be Dr. Pearson um, and, and just be mom or, you know, wife of. I'm curious how how do you see yourself now? Like, how would you define who you are? I know that's kind of a vague question, but curious. No, I, it, it's not that vague and it's something I still grapple with. Yeah. Uh, it depends on what day you ask me, to be quite honest. Um, you know, if I'm out and, you know, I'm introducing myself, I, I'm just Stephanie, right? I don't say I'm Dr. Pearson, um, but I didn't take my husband's last name. And so if somebody says, Mrs. Myers, I'm like, no, 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 it's Dr. Pearson. Um, and, you know, to his chagrin. But, yeah. you know, when people ask now, I actually say I'm an OBGYN by training, but because of life circumstances, I'm now an insurance broker. And, you know, there are times where people will say, well, do you need to, to say you're an OBGYN first? And I'm like, I do because it is 
who I am at my core. And I don't think that I could have ever done this successfully had I not had that career first. And, you know, this year actually was the year I finally gave up my DEA license, which is kind of crazy that I've paid thousands of dollars over the last seven years to maintain that. But that was one of those weird things where it would come in the mail. I'd say, okay, I'm not going to do it this year. And then I would start to cry. And my husband would be like, oh my God, pay the pay, pay, pay. Like it's not worth you being upset. And this year it took a pandemic. I mean, I hate saying that it took COVID for me to be like, I haven't written a narcotic script in seven years. I'm not going to write a narcotic script. My shoulder is not getting better. I've plateaued and I have a lot of things I'd rather spend $800 on. And I said, look, I'm going to cry. Let me cry and just be over it. And I've kind of let myself grieve, if that's the right word. You know, August 3rd is always going to be a bad day for me. You know, we try to plan things so that my mind is off of it and and it is getting easier year over year, but that's still the day that part of me died, you know, and, and I don't mean that to sound, I don't know what the word is I'm even looking for. Like, I don't mean it to sound crazy, but that person ceased to exist on that day, but I think that I'm bigger and better and you know, I, I am really, really happy now. I mean, again, there are days where I'm like, oh, I just really want to be in the OR. I want to, my hands, you know, but it, it's definitely gotten easier and easier. And I have another disabled physician who works with us. And, you know, I love the idea of being able to give good people good jobs. And um, I think that kind of what we've created is kind of bigger than us now. And so without sounding really trite, um, things are actually pretty good. I, I really, I can't complain. I mean, yes, I have some discomfort. Yes, I'm never going to be able to rock climb again. And, and there are things that I can't do, but I've chosen over time to focus on the stuff that I can do and the stuff that, that I'm able to be positive about rather than the stuff that, that I can't do, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm curious, uh, Kevin, am I cutting you off? No, no I'm, I was looking for you because, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, I'm just curious. You mentioned some of the things that you, you kind of started talking about the things that you do like and enjoy um, now. Can you just give an idea of what your life looks like from the commitment to the work you're doing? Um, what maybe some other things you love about it? I love lecturing. Um, I, I still, I, I love being in front of a group of, of residents who are, you know, eager to learn about what I'm talking about. Um, I try to average about one or two a month. Uh, interestingly, with COVID, Zoom has actually made that easier, right? I, I'm not traveling and giving up two days of other work. It gets built into my calendar like I am doing with you guys, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
And so interestingly, my lecture schedule is actually picked up. Uh, I also do a grand rounds on the mental and financial impact of physician disability, which is more holistic and gets into some of the um, physician addiction, physician suicide, uh, issues with how physicians treat each other um, and uh, some risk mitigation stuff that, that's not just about insurance. Um, and so I still get to feel like I have a foot in the medical community. Um, I've actually learned more about medicine because uh, I'm the medical director of our office as well. And so everybody's intakes that come through I review because part of why we do what we do is to help manage realistic expectations. And so, you know, I'm learning about other things in medicine that are outside of women's health because I wanna make sure that we're speaking to people appropriately and asking the right questions before they have to go through the application process and underwriting. So it's interesting, I'm actually I don't want to say I'm more of a doctor, but I, I'm a more well-rounded uh, doc. Uh, I've kept up with my CMEs and my um, uh, ABOG from the OBGYN space. I still keep up with all of that. Uh, so I enjoy still learning about what's out there, but I am definitely feeling now that it's been seven years that I'm getting kind of further and further out from from everyday um, women's health. Um, I would say on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm still putting in the same amount of hours because I own a business now. Um, and so I'm here definitely five days a week. There are plenty of weeks where I come in on the weekends to get caught up or get ahead or you know just make sure that, that things are, are not getting too crazy. I work one night a week, I used to work two or three nights a week. I felt like it was my penance for not having to take call anymore. Um, I now have uh, additional uh, producers in, in the office. So I do work late uh, one night a week, uh, but the silver lining of all of this is I sleep in my own bed every day, which you know, as an OBGYN, I was not doing a third of the month. Uh, I get all my weekends if I want. Um, you know, I don't have to ask anybody if I want to take vacation. I mean, I realize 2020 that that's not happening, but um, and quite honestly, I've gotten to spend more time with my kids than I probably would have ever gotten to spend with them. I wouldn't have known what I was missing, right? I mean, I I, I would still be doing what I was doing had I not gotten hurt. I think. Um, but like I said, I'm trying to kind of focus on, on the good stuff. And, and so it's been really neat meeting doctors all over the country. Um, I've become friends with some of my clients. And, you know, so it, it's been really interesting um, being on, on this side. Uh, and I think the fact that I remember what that life was like is also helpful in how we manage communications and, and get the process rolling. I don't know if I answered your question well. Yeah. I feel like I was very all over no. the place. No, it, it, actually that's, that's life. It can be um, <laughs> messy and not always clear. So and I appreciate your uh, vulnerability and some of the things you shared too. 
Kevin, any uh, other last questions? Well, no, no last questions other than thank you so much for coming on today. It, it was it was interesting when you're you're kind of going through your your physician journey here, and this is like classic, like we're called the change physician. We're trying to highlight these physician journeys, and yours is just just perfect for 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 hearing the story because you know you you had something that was such a traumatic experience, and you really came through. You know, in the term being post traumatic growth, where you've come through the other side. And then I was listening after your question with, with Melissa about what, well, what is life now? And, you know, that stumbling, like, you know, I don't, I would still have been doing, but you don't know what you're missing. And that's true, right? We, we, there's a, there's a process that happens when one identity stops and we have a new identity and we can't necessarily say it's better, right. but we can't say it's different right. and the difference is good. So, um, I love that, and I, I am Thanks. looking forward to our, our future episode that Melissa got you on the hook for. We could talk about this <laughs> I'm stuff. happy to. Yeah, because there's a, there's a the to kind of lead into that when we when we have the time is I look at this stuff, and a lot of times physicians we we there our practices are difficult, our encounters are difficult, our mm-hmm. lives can be challenging, and then I oftentimes think that there's industries that that just kind of view us as the fat right. pocketbooks, and no, insurance being one of those all the time. Yeah. And so there's an advocate like what you're doing with a really, really important uh, subject, insurance and particularly disability insurance, which most physicians aren't aware of. Yet most of us have been approached at some point to buy something and most of us didn't know what we're we're getting. So I'm Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to hear that. And uh, I got to say, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Loved your story. Loved your your stories, your growth and how you've come through some really, really difficult challenges. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. And, and, you know, to reiterate, it, it has not been easy. You know, mm-hmm. I, I almost feel like the, you know, you get to see happy, cheery Stephanie, you know, had you met me a couple of years ago, it would have been very different. And I, I think the one plug really to make for the physicians out there who are feeling burnt out, who are having, you know, issues because of injury or illness, is just to take care of each other. I mean, the the support that's out there now is so much better than existed five, 10 years ago. And I really would love to see docs take a little bit better care of each other. Amen. Absolutely. Rock on, keep doing what you guys are doing. I'm loving it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, looking forward to talking to you again soon. Um, but, But before we end, could you tell our guests or our listeners where they can find you and get more information about what it is that you do now. Oh, absolutely. So my company's name is Pearson Rabbits. So two last names, P as in Paul, E-A-R-S as in Sam, O-N as in Nancy, R as in Rabbit, A-V as in Victor, I-T as in Tom, Z as in Zebra.com. You can Google Stephanie Pearson. I'll come up. Uh, it is my real name on Facebook. I wasn't smart enough to come up with some pseudonym. Um, and my email is Stephanie at Pearson Rabbits. I feel like I am easier to find now than I ever was practicing medicine. Awesome. You can imagine that. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking about that because when, you know, oftentimes we try to hide our identities as physicians and try uh-huh. to keep people to contact us. Yeah. Um, but anyway, thank you again for coming on the show again. Fantastic episode. I'm sure that our listeners are going to get tons of value out of this because there are lots of takeaways no matter what you're doing. Uh, I'm your host, Dr. Kevin Kukaro, with my co host, Dr. Melissa Cady, and our fantastic guest, Dr. Uh, Stephanie Pearson. And for everybody else out there, this is the changephysician.com and stay well. 
Thank you for joining us today on the Change Physician podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know by going to thechangephysician.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you simply by joining the community at thechangephysician.com.